Welcome to the Psychedelic Integration Podcast. I'm Sinclair Fleetwood, your psychedelic life coach, and I teach you how to connect with your soul mission, follow your heart, and make lasting changes in your life by creating a sacred spiritual partnership with plant medicines. Learn easy tools, tips, and integration strategies that will demystify the psychedelic renaissance and open the way for you to come back home to yourself. If I can do it, you can do it too. Find out how here. Hello, hello. Welcome to the show. I'm Sinclair. So happy that you're here. I want to take a moment to share about my upcoming six-week Sacred Psychedelics Preparation Intensive group program that starts on February 27th. Inside this container, I will show you exactly how to build a conscious relationship with psychedelics from the start so that you can focus on answering the call to work with medicines without wasting more time and energy trying to figure out how to do it all on your own. If you're like me at the beginning of your journey, you're like watching videos, digging through the internet, gathering different tips, advice. This is one stop shop for all of that to help you get ready, prepare your container, prepare yourself to receive the experience that you want from working with medicine. And it's super timely around the topic that I'm going to go into today because preparation is the first step of integration. It doesn't just start after you have the medicine experience. It starts before. And this six-week container is going to help you stop fighting and struggling and really take the space and time that you need to bring spirituality and ceremony and intention into your practice, manage your expectations, and build a healing partnership with medicine on a path that works for you. So opening your heart and receiving support so that you can nurture your relationship with these medicines is so important to get the healing and the results that you really want. And so if you're interested in learning more and joining the crew, you can visit my website at mysticalheartcollective.com and click on the links to find sacred psychedelics and sign up. You can also send me a message if you have any questions. So today we're going to talk about reconnection, receiving and sacred rest. And this is kind of a I feel like I've been looking back at all the topics I've been discussing over the last six months or so. And, you know, I've talked about how to surrender. We've talked about um, radical self-acceptance and somatic experiencing, starting with the body and doing all of these different, well, understanding more and more in yourself, people pleasing, and really starting to look at like the inner critic and all of the the things that come up when you start to really dig into yourself with medicine, something very common with most people who come to this work is this. Well, first of all, we don't understand ourselves and you don't know what you don't know. And there's no like shame or, you know, we're all learning together and you're learning about yourself as you, as you do this work and as you follow this path And there's no reason to feel like bad or that you're doing anything wrong ever because you're not, you can't do it wrong. However, you've experienced your life up to this point is exactly how you needed to experience it. It was what you needed to 
learn what you need to learn here in this lifetime. And I think a lot of people, myself included, started out on this path, finding ourselves completely disconnected from any kind of spiritual relationship with the universe, God, higher power, your highest self, all that is, whatever you call it, and not understanding the true nature of, of what is going on here. And, you know, we're, I talk about this, I talk about this a lot, which is we all onboard a lot of unspoken agreements and understandings in our society. There's like a collective programming that happens. We call it the matrix, the death cult, (laughs) the, the human society in like late capitalist, you know, 2023. And when we're young, we get told how it is. It's like, here's how this works. This is how, this is how civilization is. And what plant medicine teaches is actually all of the stuff that we've been told is not how it is. Not even at all. We're not taught about energy. We're not taught about the true nature of consciousness. We are one understanding that we're told is that consciousness is a byproduct of the mind, that the mind creates consciousness. And when you start working with plant medicine, you start to really understand that that is not true at all. That consciousness is everything. It's consciousness first. And that we are actually receivers for consciousness. This physical body, the brain, the emotions, the our capacity for thinking and rational thought and everything is not what we are told. We are actually deeply receiving beings. Um, that is a different way of understanding it than most of us come in with. And it takes a lot of kind of untangling and deprogramming ourselves and reconnecting with the idea of spirituality and that we are more than, than the physical body. So the mind is a receiver for consciousness. Everything is consciousness first energy. Everything is energy. Matter is energy. It's energy vibrating at, you know, very slowly. (laughs) And we are ultimately spirit beings first. We are physical manifestations of non-physical energy And that non-physical energy is intricately connected to us at all times. But most of us are cut off from that because we don't know how to connect to it. And one reason people are so attracted to psychedelics is because it gives us, it allows us to plug back in to spirit. And I say that all the time. It's like, yeah, we're unplugged. And when we plug back in, we're like, oh my gosh, this is where all my power comes from. This is where all of my magic comes from. I'm actually part of this huge pulsating, vibrant aliveness that is everything that exists. And that reconnection is such an important piece that happens really at the beginning of the journey. And staying connected, you know, sometimes reconnection is something that happens often because we get pulled out of that connection. We, we become separated because we're habituated to feeling separated. So reconnection is a practice. 
it's a practice that can happen with plant medicine, with psychedelics, where you sit with the medicine with intention to re realign yourself and um, open your heart to remembering that you are part of everything and being gentle with yourself when you forget, because you're going to forget because we're, we are down here on earth forgetting constantly forgetting who we are, forgetting where we came from, forgetting the point, you know, getting our attention hijacked by things that don't really matter and turning ourselves into output machines rather than remembering that we are deeply receptive, intuitive, natural creatures that are connected to the earth, connected to everything around us. And so that's, that's kind of one aspect of this, of the integration work. You know, we talk about integration being a coming home to wholeness. It's um, when you take the medicine experiences and integrate them into your being, into your daily life, so that you're not just going and having these, you know, peak medicine experiences, but something is changing. Something is shifting in you that's actually making a tangible outcome in your life. So one of the things I think that comes through for a lot of people is this new understanding of masculine and feminine. And we talk about divine masculine and divine feminine in medicine work. And most of us understand masculinity and femininity as these, um, as states of duality, you know, like dual states, you're either masculine or feminine. You're, and this is incredibly prominent in like gender identity politics and things like that, where, you know, there's a lot of questioning going on right now in, in sexuality and in gender expression and gender identity. And I think a lot of that comes from the, new understanding of spirit as a whole, a whole being. So rather than thinking of it as this duality, as, you know, masculinity is one thing and femininity is another thing. They're actually just one thing. We all have feminine and masculine energies within us. And it's not a state of duality. It's a state of wholeness. Um, You can think about duality versus polarity. Polarity is when, if you think about something as a circle um, or a sphere, as it will, as you were, as you will, (laughs) and instead of duality, which is where it's like opposites, polarity is there's one expression on one side of the sphere. Let's say the feminine is on one side and masculine is on the other side. And the whole is those two poles and everything inside of them. So it's everything between these polarities. And I really think everything is like that, you know, love and hate. Um, Love and hate are not opposites. They're one whole thing with polar expressions. And I, I sometimes I'll say octaves around this, like octaves are another way of thinking about, um, how we experience different states, you know, the 
it's like saying too, you know, within ourselves, we have light and we have darkness and we are whole when all of those things are included and invited to the party. When we start to say like, this isn't invited to the party, that's when things get dicey because if you ban something from, you know, your being, you resist it, especially when it's part of you, because we all have darkness. That's part of us. Our shadow is part of our whole being. Our unconscious is a part of our whole being. So when we can not only look at the shadow, look at the, the different states, the different degrees of our paradoxes inside ourselves and say, yes, I am the light and I am also the darkness. Yes, I am feminine and also masculine. And we need to express those parts of ourselves in different ways. And the feminine and masculine um, can be a little bit charged for people because of, you know, the, the way that we're sort of programmed to think about it. But the more that you learn about the energies and the ways, you know, this reality that we're in has feminine and masculine. Like it's part of this universe, this uh, way that things express, like in organisms, there are biologically feminine and biologically masculine beings, and they come together to create life. So you really can't have one without the other. It is one thing. There are parts, there are two parts of a whole and everything in between that is also part of the whole. And so I'm bringing up the feminine because receiving is typically a more feminine energy receiving. I learned this from my teachers about the different kinds of water on the planet. So feminine water is the lakes, the containers, the rivers, the places where water gathers, the ocean, the, you know, the womb of our mother that holds the water that we come to life in. And the masculine water, the father water is the rain. And it's the water that comes and is delivered into the, these feminine receptacles. And we can't have we can't have lakes and oceans without rain and we can't have rain without lakes and oceans. You know, it's like they, everything is symbiotic and everything works together and one is not better than the other. And right now in our society, we're in a really masculine state of expression and we have been for a long time. Um, you know, things like dominance, violence, force, war, um, those are more, um, like aggressive <laughs> forms of masculinity or toxic forms of masculinity, but masculine energy is not forceful. It's gentle. It's powerful. It's compelling. It's an invitation. It's not like there's a difference between forcing and inviting understanding the feminine and masculine really helps understand the necessity and power of receiving as a way of being. And I think why this is really hard is 
because we are so trained that hustling and producing and being on and, you know, following a linear process and focusing on time as opposed to natural rhythms. Like these are all hyper-masculine ways of walking through the world and what that causes over time in the individual is constantly being in output mode blocks your innate and natural natural intuitive way of receiving so a lot of us are under-resourced burned out and have no idea how to receive or have trouble receiving or feel uncomfortable receiving and not just receiving like, you know, gifts or money or affection, but like receiving inspiration, receiving creativity. Um, and so because of that, we don't know how to receive. I'll tell you a story about how I figured this out for myself. So I had, a really powerful journey with ayahuasca back in the spring of last year. And I had gone to uh, see my medicine family in Ecuador to, with the intention of working on this pain that I was feeling in my body. And my pain was in my left side. And the left side is the receiving side of the body. And the right side is the giving side of the body. So, um, my left leg, the entire side of my, like with my left side of my body was having like numbness, pain, severe. I was having severe back spasms on my left side. I had sciatica in my left leg and I asked ayahuasca to heal my body. And the medicine was very strong and the body load was really intense. And I had about an eight hour journey on one cup of ayahuasca where my entire left side, including like from the top of my head to the bottom of my left foot was numb and vibrating and she was working on me and it felt so heavy. And the only thing I could do was just be still and, and receive that. It was like an energetic clearing was happening and the medicine showed me how my receiver had been blocked and broken that I had spent so much time on output mode. I did not know how to tune in to allowing myself to be still and to receive and to receive rest, to receive inspiration, to receive anything that was trying to come through me through my connection to source. I was blocking it because I was always outputting. I was always outputting with words. I was always seeking some kind of response and approval from people. I would just constantly be looking for stimulation. And it was difficult. It was difficult to look at that. And um, I didn't really understand like where that came from or how. I got that way, but it, def it deeply resonated with me. Like I saw in my life how I was blocking myself from receiving and how that was manifesting for me was that I did not feel worthy of receiving. I did not feel like I thought receiving was somehow 
not good um, because it meant that I hadn't worked hard or something. And the only, like, I had this belief in my mind that in order to deserve to receive, I had to sacrifice myself and I had to run myself into the ground in order to deserve like a few scraps, you know, of money or whatever, love. Like I had always had that understanding of, you know, you have to martyr yourself (laughs) to deserve to receive. And it was a huge like clarity moment of, you know, having the medicine teach me about the meaning of receiving and how fully receiving is how you can truly offer the best response, the best of yourself when you take in all the information there is. And she showed me how that blockage had, had really put me out of balance and that I was over giving, that I was people pleasing, that I was constantly like engaging in self-betrayal to, prove that I was worthy of receiving just a small amount. And I began to understand more and more that I don't have to keep doing and doing and doing that my practice with receiving is, is surrender and trust and slowing down and knowing that the universe is always taking care of me, that everything that I have planted, you know, if you think about it, like a garden, when you are putting seeds into the earth through service, through love, through everything that you put out, you get back and you get back. It's like sacred reciprocity, right? You get back what you put out. As long as you are creating and sharing in a good way from your heart, you never have a problem receiving everything that you need. But to me, receiving was this like transactional state And that if I was receiving something, I owed somebody something for that. And that comes from a scarcity mindset. And I talked about that a lot in my podcast about, um, about abundance. And this was back in the fall. I can't remember exactly what it's called, but it's about money and abundance. And money is a big place where people, especially spiritual people have a huge problem receiving because we have all of these outdated ideas about how inspiration and creativity and money work. And if you think about like spirit is constantly wanting to express itself through life and spirit wants to express, express itself through abundance. It wants to express itself through creativity, through art, through inspiration and giving ideas to the world and allowing them to come through. And what we're told is like, well, I did that myself. You know, it's a very egocentric way of thinking about it where it's like, well, I, I created this, I invented this. The ego is like fanning itself up. And the problem with that is like, it puts so much pressure on you to constantly be inventing something. And when you understand that actually the way it works is you're tuning into a frequency, to a vibration. And when you become a match for that vibration, that's when flow happens. And when people talk about flow, they're talking about being plugged into spirit and spirit is like blowing them up with ideas and, you know, everything that's good that wants to come through you as a container 
is able to reach you. And when you don't know how to receive, it's usually because you're holding on to things that have passed their usefulness for you. So you're blocking what wants to come from finding you because you don't know how to tune in to the, to the vibration and the frequency that you are because you have an idea about yourself. That's not actually true. Meaning that you're like not good enough, um, that you have to be, you know, hustling and being on and producing and doing to be valuable and focusing on all this outward validation and outward production and, this is what I'm talking about, about it being like a hyper-masculine state. And we are really out of balance in this way in our society. You know, we're over-consuming. We're, we're not in a circle of, of reciprocity with the earth. And there is always a season for everything. There's a give and there's a take. And it's like, I'm going to do an episode about reciprocity coming up to explain it more, but Reciprocity is like a symbiotic relationship. It's everything in balance. It's giving when you have the ability to give and receiving when you need to receive and knowing that that's always how it will work. And so, you know, receiving is such a big part of rest and rest and receiving are so connected because in order to create the space that you need to receive, you have to reconnect and you have to make room to reconnect and the path to making room to receive, to reconnect to spirit, to trusting yourself, to trusting that everything is happening for your benefit is to engage in sacred rest and to slow down and create space within yourself so that you have the ability to really touch in with what is trying to reach you through spirit. Because, you know, the more noise that's going on inside of you, if you're run down, if you are ill, if you're obsessing about something that's going on in your life, if you have an imbalance in your body, if you have an imbalance in your, the way that you're living your life, it's very difficult for your receiver to actually catch what's trying to come. But the good news is you can change this and plant medicine can help. And it's a practice of trust, you know, trust and surrender and radical acceptance. These are all practices. It's not, you know, you can get the clarity from the medicine. You can understand something so clear but that doesn't mean that it's going to be this easy magic thing that happens overnight. It's something you have to keep working on and you have to really allow yourself to root into the answers for you because, you know, I can talk about this stuff all day. I do talk about this stuff all day, but what's true for you might not be what's true for me. These are just the ways that I understand how this is working. And I really love, you know, I'm a, I'm actually an earth, a very earthy person. I'm like a triple Capricorn um, with very kind of overachiever tendencies. And, and those overachiever performance, needing external validation, people-pleasing inner critic tendencies that I have 
have been shown to me by the medicines to be these ways that I learned how to cope with not having what I needed when I was young and not understanding that I didn't have to strive so hard. I didn't have to do so much to have value. The medicines taught me that I have value, period. I am. That means I'm valuable. I am. That means I'm love. I am. That means everything that I have and I am and I deserve is my right as a living conscious being. And everyone has that. That's not something special that I have. Everyone has value just because they are. Every single human being, every other being, all the beings have value. And it's not because of what they do or how they look or who they're with or, you know, what kind of car they drive. Please God, it's not that. (laughs) This external stuff doesn't matter. It matters, it matters because it's nice for us to be comfortable, but it's not the point. And when we put all of our attention on like, well, if I just get all of this stuff, then I can allow myself to receive joy and happiness and fulfillment and calm and peace. And this is a, a sickness that we have. It's, it's, it's a program that we're told, do this and then get this. And it just doesn't work like that. First of all, life is a huge sphere of pulsating expansion. Like the, the linear way of thinking about life is a construct of this reality. It's not real. And it's so important to slow down and to make space and room and to clean up your energy and to offload the garbage that you're carrying that's blocking you and to release the idea that you already know everything or that you've decided something so you're no longer open. Receive everything. Allow everything in. And then decide when you have all the information. If you allow everything in, then you have the full spectrum of everything to choose what your path is. And one of the first things I teach in my Rise and Align program in the integration part is like starting with the body. We always start with the body, with the earth element, with the physical, the physical experience after the medicine. And a lot of it is about, you know, taking care of your vibration and what are you consuming and all of that. And one of the main parts is cleaning your house, cleaning up your environment, getting rid of things that are taking up space in your life, whether that's physical or emotional or energetic, because when that stuff is there, what you want can't reach you. I hear this all the time from people who are like dating and are looking for partners, but are like hung up on an ex or something. And they're like, well, I don't know why I can't find someone, but actually I still have feelings for my ex. And it's like, you have to release that in order for you to receive, to be open 
to be an energetic match for a new partner. Two things cannot occupy the same space at once. And that goes for everything in your life that's cluttering you up. So how to open your receiver and retune and recalibrate is get rid of the noise. Go through your house and clean it up. Feng shui, whatever you, whatever makes you feel like you're in an environment that feels delicious, do it. Whether that's, you know, buying new sheets and making your bed a beautiful place to lay down and rest, getting plants in your, I'm looking around my space. I'm like house plants, fill your space with plants. <laughs> plants are living beings. They're receiving light and, and water and turning it in, and carbon dioxide and turning it into oxygen. And they turn sunlight into flowers. Like they're so beautiful to have in your space. But whatever you like, you know, making sure that your environment is not full of trash. And, you know, one person's trash is somebody else's treasure. I absolutely believe that. But it's important to surround yourself with things that are soothing. And a lot of this um, that I'm talking about today, and I haven't mentioned this yet, but it's like so much of the difficulty in doing this work is that a lot of us have checked out, checked out of our bodies, we've dissociated, depersonalized, whatever, we're coping with, we're distracting ourselves from being ourselves because there's something within us that doesn't feel safe. So how do you make yourself feel safe? Start with your environment. Start with your immediate surroundings and make them soft, make them inviting, make them feel good make everything feel good. Like how can you make your life feel 10% better? Whether that's stopping engaging with someone that doesn't make you feel good when you talk to them, you know, this releasing idea, it can be with people, it can be with emotions, it can be with stuff. It can be with moving to a new place. Like we've been here in Asheville, North Carolina for a month. Now we moved from just outside of Austin. I lived in Austin for almost two decades. I loved living there for a long time and then I didn't and it didn't feel good anymore. And I was trying to make it fit and trying to make it feel good and it just didn't feel good. And as soon as we got here, everything felt better. And I was like, okay, yes, this was a good release because we needed to be in a new space. And that's part of allowing yourself to be in a receiving mode instead of trying to force and striving and struggling and fighting and resisting and, you know, then being disappointed when things don't feel good. It's like, well, if you're in a situation where you're constantly fighting with yourself, it's not going to feel good. Maybe try something else. This works too with like pain and suffering in your physical body, uncomfortable emotions, Part of the reason that, that many emotions are so uncomfortable is our resistance to them. So let's say I have a client right now who's really, we've been working together for a few months and she's tapping into some really deep rage. Rage is hard to feel because it feels like it's driving you to do something to hurt yourself, to hurt someone else, to express. But rage doesn't get to be in charge when you have a place to receive it. And so 
making room within yourself to feel your emotions makes it so that they stop running you so that you can choose how to respond instead of reacting so that you can break your negative loops and negative behaviors because you have a conscious choice because you have created space within yourself to give yourself that conscious choice. And that's part of why we recommend meditation because meditation is a, is a rest. It's a being silent with yourself and just letting there be space for being. We're human beings, not human doings. How many times have you heard that? A lot probably, but it's true. It's like, there's so much habit energy driving a lot of what we do. And one of the most important techniques to give yourself the ability and opportunity to do something different is to recognize when you're doing something you don't like, even in the moment while you're doing it. It's to just be like, oh, I see myself in this habit energy. I've done this before. Actually, this is a pattern of mine. I do this all the time. I think I actually get something out of this. I actually enjoy being a victim. You know, I actually enjoy being judgmental. I actually enjoy this dark part of myself that I'm not supposed to enjoy. Allow yourself to admit that you are benefiting from it in some way. I had that happen with my addiction to alcohol. You know, I felt victimized by my addiction, by myself for such a long time. I was like in a sadomasochistic relationship with myself. And I think we all are, honestly, there's some way that we're coping with something that part of us, our conscious part doesn't like. If you want to dig into this more, I highly recommend reading Existential Kink by Carolyn Elliott. It's a fascinating, magical book about shadow, shadow work. And I love it. And I'm really into it right now. So I'll probably be talking about a little bit more about it sometime, but opening to accept that you actually might enjoy or get something out of the dramatic, uncomfortable, even painful situations that you put yourself in. And the medicines allow you to start getting that kind of perspective, to start detaching from, oh, how shameful, how ugly, I can't look at that, I couldn't possibly enjoy that. But it's like, okay, I'm doing this thing to myself over and over and over. For me, that was an alcohol addiction. I did not consciously want to be doing it, but I did consciously want to black out and not be present for my life because I didn't know how to handle my life. And as I have grown away from that addiction, it's been like over five years since I've been sober, I've come to feel so grateful for that time in my life. It led me directly to this work. Had I not had that addiction, I don't know if I would have found plant medicine as a healing path. That was the thing that I needed to go through to wake up. And, you know, it's hard to receive that when you are new on the path, when you're really suffering with something and you're looking at the thing and you're like, there's no way that I will ever be grateful for this. I mean, I can count on probably two hands, how many things I have like that in my life. Like, but the bigger picture is I create difficult situations in my life and I enjoy saving myself in dramatic fashion 
at the last minute and I get off on the drama of all of it. And, you know, three years ago, I wouldn't have been able to see that in myself or say that about myself or be okay with that. I wouldn't have been conscious enough to receive that understanding. And I wouldn't have had as much detachment from the ego and the perfectionism and the like, that's not okay to allow it to be okay. So all of these things are practices that you do to make room for a new understanding. And one of the most important parts of this is like cultivating a beginner's mind for all of this growth work that you're doing. Um, I hear a lot of people say things like, well, especially facilitators and service people are like, well, I'm healed now. Like, I'm so glad that I've gone, I've gone through all my trauma now. And I, you know, I'm, I'm on the other side of it. And like, now I guide people and like, I don't have to do any work. I have nothing left to work on. And like, okay, come on. That's bullshit. If you hear somebody say that, don't be, don't like let that person facilitate you. That's not an evolved perspective. (laughs) That's not to say that you need to be stuck in, uh, you know, excavation process of healing for the rest of your life. Absolutely not. You can shift into celebration. You can celebrate it when you fall down. You know, you can learn how to celebrate when you discover something fucked up about yourself. It's fine. It's great to celebrate that. You're like, oh, cool. I see how I've been doing this thing to myself for 30 years. And like, I'm not even going to do anything about it. I'm just going to be aware of it. And it's fine that I'm doing that. Like, all of this is part of the process. But I think deciding that you are, you know, healed and know everything, especially if you're 30 or, you know, young, we don't know anything. I'm 45. I don't know anything. I know some things, but I'm certainly not like an elder on a path of, of wisdom. When I'm 70, I will have that wisdom, but I don't have it now. I'm still learning. And I'm learning from people who are way beyond the path than me. And I'm also teaching people who are behind me on the path who are coming up behind me, who are finding their own way. And that's all we do. We're just, we're just reaching back to help each other up. You know, we're like, this is a good way, like come this way. And if you can keep a beginner's mind, then you can really, really be open to receiving everything that you need to get. And how can you keep a beginner's mind? Well, resource yourself, let everything in, allow, surrender, trust, receive and then make make your decisions from that and the way to really resource yourself is to get a deep rest practice and rest is rest is hard rest is something that is so needed and it can be really hard i have had different periods of insomnia off and on in my life a lot when i was drinking not as much you know the last few years but um when you have a nervous system that's dysregulated and in flight, fight or flight and you have a lot of stress hormones and that's a chronic condition, which it, it has been for me, sleep can be elusive at times. When you have a sweet little cat who likes to walk across your face at three o'clock in the morning, sleep can feel a little elusive at some times. I was telling you guys how Onyx is like in a codependent relationship with John and John's not here. So he's a little bit whiny and he likes to wake me up at night. And so... The rest practice is so important. 
and I really like coffee. So, you know, when I get in a cycle of like not being able to sleep well, it, it's sort of really hard to break that because you're like, okay, well, I'm really tired. Well, I'm going to drink coffee and the coffee's going to, going to keep me going. But then I might be a little wired and then I'm going to end up staying up too late and just keep this cycle going. And so how you can allow yourself to rest is to do less. I was talking to one of my clients recently. We were talking about like doing less and doing the bare minimum has like a life-saving healing practice because we think healing is supposed to be fast, but it's not. It's not a fast process. You might need to rest, seriously rest for a long time before you feel fully resourced to start, you know, creating and outputting again. And if you've been in output mode for a long time, you might even be close to being burned out or at least feeling overwhelmed with whatever's going on and, you know, medicating and, um, using stimulants and, and depressants and like numbing and all these things that we do to cope with the stress and pace of modern life. The technology is one big aspect of it as well, where it's like, it's really hard to rest well when we have so much screen time. And I'm hundred percent guilty of this. My screen time sometimes is really out of control. Um, so creating a sleep hygiene. So sleep hygiene is like no screens in your bedroom, you know, only making love and sleeping in your bed, um, or maybe reading, but don't do, don't work in your bed. Like make your bedroom a delicious place where you rest, make it a place where your brain is like, this is where I rest. And meditate. I like to meditate. I talk about this all the time. I haven't sat up for meditation. I don't know how long it's been a long time. My meditation is laying down with snuggly blankets and pillows in a nest. And that's where I do my best meditating. And one of my favorite practices for rest is yoga nidra. And yoga nidra is, um, sleep yoga. It's like a deep restful yoga that's not based on asana or movement. It's completely done laying down in a restful position. And it can actually give you the same benefits as having like three or four hours of deep sleep. So like one hour of yoga nidra equals three to four hours of deep restful sleep. So I'm actually doing a 30, I'm, it's going to be longer because we're, I'm about to go on a retreat. So I don't know if I'm going to be able to do it every day while I'm there. I'm I'm planning on it, but I'm doing a 30 day yoga nidra challenge where I do yoga nidra every single day in order to train my body to relax so that I can sleep because sleep is the foundation for all of this. Sleep is where our bodies receive. It's the Shavasana of, of life. You know, we do it every day because so many processes in the body happen when we sleep, when we're reconnecting to the unconscious, to the mystery, you know, that's when we dream. And when we allow ourselves to put everything down and stop and all of these things are so connected and I could just talk about this forever. It's really fascinating to me. And I love talking about rest and sacred rest and, and receiving and reconnection and how 
filling your own cup is really the way to save the world. It's the path to creating a different world. And you don't have to go out and, you know, solve all the world's problems. You just need to get a good night's sleep so that you can receive the inspiration of what your role is in all of this. And the medicines can absolutely help you. So thank you so much for listening to this episode. And again, please reach out if you're interested in working together. I have Sacred Psychedelics Preparation Intensive starting on February 27th, six weeks of calls, connection in a group setting. We're going to learn all about holistic preparation, safety, cultivating willingness, discovering your why, managing expectations, navigating the experience. We'll do it all in a container that feels really fun. And Rise in Line, my six-month integration immersion starts in April. It's open now. If you're interested in learning more about working with me in Rise in Line or as a one-on-one, I offer one-on-one coaching as well. You can reach out to me via my website, mysticalheartcollective.com. Click on work with me and you can read about all the different ways that we can connect. I really appreciate you being here. Thank you so much for supporting this podcast and sending you all my best. See you next time.